Hey guys, welcome to the Better Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Tillery, and today I have a very special guest for you all, my friend, client, jack-of-all-trades, licensed professional counselor, Jeremy Dew. Jeremy, thanks for coming, man. Thanks for having me, man. All right, so I've known Jeremy and his family for maybe five, six years, something like that. You know, I've really enjoyed just being able to sit down and chit-chat with him about life. This is obviously the Better Fitness and Lifestyle podcast, so this one's on the lifestyle side. And uh, for us, with five kids, a big part of our life is our kids and parenting. And so with Jeremy's background and, and just wealth of information, we've been able to um, really hone in on how to proactively become better parents. And so I think Jeremy's going to add a lot of value to your life just with sharing his experiences and things like that. So Jeremy, if you could tell the audience a little bit about um, yourself and what you do, I think that'd be some real helpful context for them. Yeah, so um, my, uh, my formal training in school was actually more of a longer approach to counseling and primarily for individual work with adults. But then most of my experience and training after graduate school was with children, adolescents, uh, their families, more parenting work. And so within graduate school, a lot of the training with adults really centered around this longer term work that um, have folks that stay with me for months or even years, and we kind of get really down to the root of, of uh, their issues and um, how their story and just different experiences impact their current relationships. When it comes to work with parents and kiddos, though, I found that the approach that often feels far more appropriate, and, and for us, I have three kids, um, and and for me, when I am when we're talking about parenting, I think it's helpful to have a foundation of what who do I even want to be as a parent? What's what does good parenting even look like? But then, really, I'm looking for strategies. I'm looking for like, okay, I have some idea of like who I want to be. Now, how does that play out on a daily basis? What does that look like? You know, in those places that we get hung up on, and so a lot of the families that I see that. Uh, they'll come in for specific things and will work out. And, and a lot of times it is shorter term work, not always, but um, a lot of times it's shorter term work where we're trying to kind of figure out hey, what's working and what's not and hone in on that. So that's, that's a lot of my work in the office had parenting workshops and uh, small groups centered around those, those topics as well. Yeah, no, that's great. I think you hit on a point of, it's so important for us to define what is success and what is it that we're wanting to be as parents. And and I think that a lot of times we get caught up in the busyness of life and we don't sit down and sort of articulate maybe to our spouse or even to ourselves kind of what it is that we, what it is that we value and kind of how we define parenting as a whole. Let's go big picture macro level. If someone is struggling in their parenting or they have a child that that's really causing them some stress and strain, I guess, where would be their, what's the first step in terms of things are kind of chaotic, they're in a situation that just doesn't feel right, doesn't feel life-giving, where would you say for that person to just begin? Yeah, so um, I think for, uh, so when you look at a lot of the parenting literature, what they talk about in terms of two primary categories for raising secure, healthy kiddos. It comes down to the parents 
availability and consistency. So those are the two primary categories that show up. And, and uh, you know, if you're interested in reading more about that, this like broader research is, is all around attachment theory. So it's has to do with, um, you know, from the time our kids are born uh, to the time that we send them off, that they have a general emotionally available and um, fairly reliable or consistent. Um, now, given a season like Christmas or um, or just life, right? Like things things go on in our lives make that way more difficult. Um, it's really natural that that's not always there. Um, so one of the places that I have found kind of the, the most, I find it resonates most with me as a parent is this idea within this this same topic called good enough parenting. So it's it's this idea that actually the very best parents in this research, the ones that they track from infancy through adulthood and, and watch these parents, they notice that um, the ones with the uh, kids that tend to be more secure in their relationships and in their way of being, um, that they trust that the world is a place uh, that has tons of room for them and is, um, uh, in general, a safe place for them to explore those parents actually make tons of mistakes. Um, and, and actually in one study there, they were watching kind of the mother infant um, interactions and tracking that and then looking at that in, over the long term as well. And, the, and the, the best mothers were making a mistake in terms of connecting with that child at least once every 19 seconds in this in these videos side by side which i find like so much that just that gives me a lot of hope <laughs> so so i think availability and consistency in terms of how we how we respond and interact with our kids um, are the two crucial things um, and if our kids are in a really difficult place those can be two categories that we can be thinking about. So how am I doing in terms of my emotional availability? What's going on for me in my life right now that might be impacting that? Um, do I feel that consistent in my responses? Is there a general structure in our home or does it feel fairly chaotic? And so what needs to adjust in those places? I think the other question that I'm often asking uh, with parents in my office is as our kids are in a bad place and we find them acting out a lot. One of the questions for me that I'm often asking when my kids are acting out is, what is my child trying to communicate through their acting out behaviors? And you know, as, as kids, they're still growing their capacity to even understand what needs they have that are not going met. Um, they're still um, figuring out language. And so they don't always have the words to say, hey, you're not around or I feel uh, like you don't like me right now, or I feel like you care more about the baby than me, or whatever it is, um, their acting out um, is often communicating some kind of unmet need to us, and it's their best attempt at getting that need met. Um, so hopefully that offers you, as you think about that and the behaviors that are going on at your house, a little more room for curiosity about what's going on with your kids and what, um, what, what they might be needing from you, um, whether you can or can't meet that need in that moment, um, it gives us a little more grace and understanding for what they might be asking. Fantastic insight. And, and what, I, what I hear you saying is that it's kind of like we would give people advice on the nutrition side of things as it's really, it's better to be a B-level, like a B-grade parent, you know, than to be an AFAF, -AF, 
you know, back and forth that really there's a lot of just there's a lot of big picture wins when you can be a B, you know, and not necessarily strive or beat yourself up over not being an A or having these parenting failures that actually it's a good it's a good thing. Um, going back to availability and consistency, you know, myself included, there's a lot of us that really wrestle with being able to turn off our brains from um, from the day's work. And we're, we're thinking about the next day or we're thinking about a problem at work. And I think we, we want to be present. We want to be available. But sometimes it gets really hard to do that. You know, I've done different things throughout the years of, of you know, kind of praying before I get home on the drive home or um, just different mental tricks to kind of separate work from home. But um, what things might you recommend to someone who maybe is just really struggling to turn their brain off? Maybe they're checking their phone. Maybe they're doing different things throughout the night that are really, they're having a hard time being available with their with their children. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And I think that feels like such a, a common struggle for us as parents. And I, I find that uh, often in my work, I've had to be more and more intentional about uh, what I do when I begin to bring my work home um, and just emotionally drained from the day and what kind of presence I really have to offer. So um, so there's, I feel like there's a number of things and some of the ones you listed are really good ones. Uh, just finding little rhythms and whether that's a sticky note on your um, steering wheel of, hey, don't forget to breathe. Um, <laughs> finding a place in your car, even to visualize like, I know that I have this work thing that is going to eat me up all night and I'm going to put it in my ashtray for the evening and I'm going to pick it back up first thing in the morning, that this is the important thing that I need to, to address and then I'm going to set it aside for the evening. You know, I think that one of the big pieces that um, I feel kind of even goes along with this good enough parenting and um, is that I think often like we assume that the A plus parenting is the one that is constantly available, that the, the, the parent that is um, forever doting on their children and um, we have the tissue ready before they sneeze. And, and I think instead that actually is often far more driven by our anxiety as parents and, um, and becomes really unhelpful because our kids pick up on all that. So I think some of this too is even just learning how to communicate our lack of availability at times. Hey, I'm really aware, like walking in the door, I am like so distracted with work. And maybe that's to your partner, maybe that's, maybe that's to your kids, like I, I'm just, guys, I know that like this has been a tough, like a tough month or, um, you know, to, to use one example. So my wife and I, um, even just in this last month, uh, my wife lost her dad and that is a huge, has a huge impact on our ability to be present with our kids. Um, so even just needing the space to go through that grieving process and that's going to be, that's going to be going on for a while for us. And so part of that has become a conversation in our house of, you know, my, my oldest son will be the first to tell you, you guys are not on your A game in parenting. You are less patient. I feel like I'm getting, you know, I'm getting snapped at for all the, we're like, man. Yeah, exactly. So, yes. So, so in that, like part of our work then is to own it, you know, like, dude, you are totally right. Like I am, I've, yeah, I feel way less patient. I, you know, I find that I'm thinking about your papa a lot, and uh, that, and at times that makes me short-tempered, and 
uh, and I'm, I'm not thinking as much about what you might be needing. So, um, and, and my son's eight. So, so even, even at an earlier age, even at five, I think we can begin talking to our kids about, Hey, let me know, like, let me know if you, if you are feeling like I'm more distant. Um, and that gives us small cues to kind of snap back in. So again, this is not something where we have to kind of, we are more responsible, uh, for, our parenting and for our failures than our kids are. Um, that's that's part of part of our job as parents is to take on more of the responsibility in that. So the last piece I would say is that even 10 minutes once or twice a week where you are sitting down with one of your kids and letting your child direct all of the play just for 10 minutes goes a really long ways. So our kids' primary way to communicate with us is through their play. It's not through their words. Our kids are still learning their words, and yet they can communicate so much through play. So when they get us involved and, you know, dad's dressed up like, you know, Elsa or Anna or, um, or we're building Legos or, uh, you know, for my five-year-old, it's him telling this story where he's combining Minecraft and Pokemon and ninja battles and I have no idea what we're talking about but I'm asking questions and that he's he's leading uh, the conversation it's not me digging out of him how was school today and that kind of stuff that's not how our kids connect with us they connect through um, them directing that and so even 10 minutes a couple times a week goes an extremely long way for our for our kids. Yeah, picking back up on availability and consistency, you mentioned distractions. And I think, you know, it goes without saying that our, you know, our, our social media-driven life, the phone can become a real distraction. I know at least for me, there's just times when I'm just, I you know, gravitate towards it. Same thing with our, our older kids that have phones. Like, it becomes this thing that kind of is a a lot of times the elephant in the room of just what do we, what do we do? You know, it, it's, it seems unreasonable to say, gosh, we're, we're you're not going to have a phone. We're going to just, we're going to put this thing up and we're not going to live this way because they do, you know, we as adults and kids communicate so much through, through texting and through social networking. And so I guess obviously there's no right or wrong answer here, but what are some of your opinions on how we can better manage phone life, social media life, um, how we can help our kids manage that. What are some things that, that you believe are important when it comes to managing that part of life? Yeah, it's funny. This, uh, there was a study a few years ago um, that Disney, uh, Disneyland or Disney World did um, to find out what attractions kids were most drawn to in the park. And uh, they found that it was nothing that they were providing. It was their parents' phones more than anything else in the entire park of Disney World. (laughs) So, yes, it was the phone. So, um, so one, I think our kids are watching us. Um, So on some level, um, and this is where, like, I find that when we get in these conversations, when I get in these conversations with parents in my office, it's a lot more of a vulnerable conversation um, because because I think all of us, uh, particularly when things are difficult, um, we have, this is one of the easier ways for us to cope with, uh, is to kind of check out. And so I think one of the th- interesting things for the working parent is I, I think often when when you're working, uh, this is certainly true in my work, I am I feel like I'm a much better therapist than I am a father. <laughs> and, and, and I would imagine there are days where you feel like I'm much better at running this gym than I am 
running my family. And I, I think that's, I think that's one of the places that for many of us as parents, um, that we begin to pour into our work in particular is because we just feel much more competent there. And I think the reality is that's not going to change. Like part of our parenting. And I think part of even us having some sign that we're doing it right is that we are aware that we're not very competent at this, that we're struggling in this and, but that we're, we're trying. So I think as it relates to social media and our phones, I think for starters, I think just to be, it, 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 it's helpful just to be aware of, um, how much we're on our phones. Um, so it might be worth experimenting for one evening of the week to just put your phone in a cabinet and not pick it up again until bedtime. Now, for some of us, that that might create tons of anxiety or, or well, I need to be available for work. Or um, uh, one of the things my wife did a while back was she set a ringtone that was different for me at work than everyone else, and that helped her to engage with the kids at home and not feel the pressure to be available to everyone, but felt like, oh, I need to be available to Jeremy in this, uh, if he calls about these specific things or whatever. So those are, those are a couple of places. I think, I think that, um, we are not going to be, you're not gonna be able to parent your kids and, and keep them from cell phones <laughs> or social media or, uh, screens until they're 18. That's really unhelpful. We we need to figure out productive ways to help our kids kind of manage this tool and technology and connection with, with others. And so some of that, I think, is us finding effective strategies for ourselves on how to kind of pull away from it and notice what happens to us and, and then begin to imagine what happens to our kids in that as well um, as they, as they um, uh, either use their phones a lot um, or have opportunities to disconnect from them. So if you're listening to this podcast now, it, live, we're in the middle of, of the Christmas season, Christmas holiday. And so can you talk a little bit about just the child's experience of the holiday season? You know, are there some things we need to keep in mind in terms of how our kids are processing all the things around us as it re- relates to Christmas? Yeah, so, so I think for kids... Um, their experience might be uh, might be similar in to yours. If if you're feeling more angst about the break, they might be as well. That they um, that there's a level of structure and expectation during the school week where um, they know that they're waking up at this time and they do these things each morning and uh, and then they go head to school and they have these classes and they see these people and the holidays are just different. On top of that, we as adults, I think. Uh, maybe not always knowingly, but we have tons of expectation about the holidays um, that we place on our kids. So we expect that um, our kids are going to be, this is a giving season. So we're hopeful that our kids are going to be thinking about giving to others. (laughs) That is not always true. They are thinking about their Christmas list and what they're going to get. And uh, sometimes um, we we are expecting our kids to be kind and polite and well-behaved in front of the family, in front of, you know, maybe in front of my in-laws or in front of uh, the grandparents they see a couple of times of a year. Uh, so so in that, um, just just being aware of, we kind of, we bring in a lot of expectations uh, for our kids during this season. And sometimes um, they're not always realistic. Um, you know, when we think about gosh, I don't expect these, some of these things out of my kid this much or for this extended period of time for the rest of the year, but this is a, a different season. 
Um, it's really busy. Um, I think we're also really hopeful that our kids are going to enjoy all of the experiences that we're trying to create for them around holiday traditions and um, opening gifts and cutting down a tree and things like that. And um, that's just not always where our kids are at. Um, and so some of that, again, it doesn't always mean we, we need to be really thinking about our holidays and totally changing course. It might mean that for some of you, but um, what it does mean is, is just being aware of that um, can be really helpful for beginning to strategize um, either with our, our, our partner or with, um, with other parents that we parent with or um, with our kiddos even of, um, gosh, maybe there are some adjustments we need to make where we're more intentional about just our family time or getting one-on-one -on -one time or having some structure that um, I think you know, there are nights where Jen and I, uh, my wife and I think, oh, this is going to be a great idea to have a movie night and we're going to stay up later and we're going to have popcorn. And um, for me, I'm usually the one that brings in like sweets and things like that. And then it's like 930 and our kids have totally like this was a bad idea. This is like this is a really fun idea uh, in my mind. But the next morning they're still up at this early time and they haven't got enough sleep. And so. Um, again, not to nix those things, but I think we, we just have to be thoughtful about, um, you know, what, what our hopes are versus what our, our, our kids' hopes are and what, what they can manage. Um, so last question that I have, self-care. Obviously, as a parent, you're caring for not only yourself, but also your, your children. And we talk about a lot, you know, in terms of putting your oxygen mask on first and actually making sure that you're functioning in a way that's, that's helpful and beneficial and, you know, maybe a B level, but you're doing something proactively to, to take care of yourself. In terms of self-care, what, what would you recommend to someone who struggles or maybe they're, they're a very selfless person who just typically thinks, you know, I, my kids need this, my kids need that. I need to take them here, take them there. And it's, it's good stuff that they want for their kids, but they neglect their own self-care in the process. And then it kind of just cheapens the, the parenting experience in some ways. What advice would you give that person that wrestles there? It's a really good question. So I, I think that to me, self-care feels like a really, really huge deal. And I think that that struggle that a lot of us have of um, kind of feeling very quick to pour ourselves out and particularly for our kids, but a lot slower to even consider our own needs is a, is a really big one. And, and so I think some of that would be like on a really practical level. And my challenge would be what's one thing you can be doing at least on a weekly basis, but I would even say on a daily basis for a few minutes, it's going to work towards taking care of yourself. And that might be um, showing up to your workouts. That might be scheduling uh, a massage. That might be um, taking time to not do the dishes when the kids have gone to sleep and instead just reading a book for 20 minutes. Um, that might be just sitting with your kids on the couch and watching whatever show they're watching and just kind of being present with them. That might be going to therapy. I don't know what it is. So in that, though, um, it feels so important because I think um, we often assume that, well, I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this for my kids. But but the the lesson underneath that, um, which I feel like is, is part of our work as parents, is, is teaching our kids how to take care of themselves as well and that that they they matter. Um, and we can't be the ones to convince them of that. They have to they have to see that model that. 
uh, mom and dad also know that th that they are important <laughs> and that they have needs and that mom and dad have other friendship. So one example I would have is, um, so we moved here uh, four and a half years ago. And before that, uh, for 15 years, my wife and I were in other parts of the country. And so every Christmas we flew down and both of our folks are in the Houston area. And we would stay with my parents and some combination of my parents and her parents for usually around eight days. Now, at the end of the eight days, we were not doing well. <laughs> like we were, we, it was, yeah, it was, it, there was a, a sense for both of us of like, we're agitated with each other or it's, or at, you know, or we're just kind of checked out from each other. And part of that's being around our parents. And uh, I don't know if this is still true for, for all of you. It's true for me in moments. I, I find that I revert back to my teenage self when I'm at my parents' house for too long. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on with me right now? All I want to do is sit on the couch and do nothing. And I've got, <laughs> that's right, exactly. And, and watch TV and uh, I am 35 years old. This is, I should be past this, but I'm not. So in that though, that really impacts our relationship. And what we found after a number of years of like, we'd get in these like, I mean, it was predictable. We'd get in this big old blowout fight about six days in. We're like, what is happening? We've been doing so well. And yet this is happening. And again, well, we found that like we were both pretty depleted and, you know, we're on other people's time and staying in other people's houses. And so we made this intentional move to begin having a date night four days in. And our anniversary falls around that time, too. So it was convenient. But it was there was we, we typically like for a long time, we just put off our anniversary date until afterwards. And we found that like that's not healthy. Like and even as inconvenient and uh, as it might, or, or as slighted as our families might even feel in moments of like, what, you know, you're ditching us. We have eight days together and you're ditching us to go out on a date together. You can do that anytime. Yeah. Like, no, we really can't. Like, this is really helpful for us. So, yeah. so maybe it's for you as a family setting aside time. You've got all these visitors or um, you're staying somewhere else. You're traveling, whatever it is. Hey, we're going to take a morning and we're going to go out to Starbucks or we're going to um, go out to a park and just play for a little bit, but taking some time to kind of take care of your little family unit or maybe taking care of yourself. So um, to me, that self-care question, honestly, like that, that would be the, the general answer I would give. And I know that for many, um, I would say uh, for many of my individual work with adults, this is a really difficult thing. Um, it's really, really hard to acknowledge that we even have any needs or desires and um, so some, for some of you, the, the work really might be, um, I don't even know what I want or need, or I don't even know how to begin to take care of myself. And that feels like a bigger conversation. Uh, and maybe it's with a counselor. Maybe it's just with good friends. Hey, what's your experience of me as a parent or as a good friend? Do you feel like I'm very good at taking care of myself or, or expressing desire? Um, so that, that, those would be good starting places. Yeah, I think we're wired just to be all in with the kids, you know, and I think that, you know, you see the couple in the restaurant, you know, once their kids are out of the house and they're struggling to make conversation and it's a, you know, it's just the years of just kind of the kids are first, I'm, my self-care, our relationship, it kind of goes on the back burner. And so you really see that. And, and, you know, that's one of those things that always kind of is alarming to us of we've got to make sure that we you know, as a husband and wife, there's a priority there that we have date nights, that we have time together, um, that we have other adult relationships that we're engaging in that's not just about the kids. Because, again, you mentioned modeling. I think that's so important that we model to them 
what marriage looks like, that we model to them what, you know, adult friendships look like, that they see those things so they can then, as they absorb, you know, subconsciously what it is, they become adults, they're able to have healthier relationships. And I think if they if they just see us pour into them, revolve our life around them and neglect ourselves, neglect our other relationships, I think it it's doing them a disservice in a lot of in a lot of ways. So thanks for for bringing that up. Um, guys, parenting is hard work. There's no doubt about it. This is not easy stuff. And I can't tell you how valuable Jeremy has been over the years just to have someone to sit and talk to and walk through problems that, that you encounter as a parent, whether it be stuff your kids um, pick up at school or seasons they go through in their development. Um, we've really benefited from being able to, to sit down in Jeremy's office and talk to him. So if you're struggling out there um, with, you know, whether it be with your children or with your, your marriage relationship, get that in the light as soon as you can. Don't, don't live in darkness. Don't live in a place where no one knows about it and you brush under the rug. Um, get help. I'm going to put Jeremy's contact information in the show notes. Um, again, from someone who has had professional help and gotten that guidance, it is so valuable um, just to have someone to talk to who does this for a living that can give you strategies you can implement and, and take on to your, your day-to-day life. So, um, man, thank you so much for coming in. That was really beneficial. I think add a lot of value to people that were listening. So thank you. Guys, thanks for listening. There's a lot of great information in this podcast. And so um, if you'd like to share this on social media, that would be awesome because I think there's a lot of people out there that would really benefit, um, that are struggling, that need some answers, need some direction. They would really benefit from this podcast. So feel free to share if you feel so. All right. That's all we've got for today. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with the Better Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Podcast.